Part One, Chapter Two, Section One of Under Western Eyes by Joseph Conrad. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter Two, Section One. The words and events of that evening must have been graven as if with a steel tool on Mr. Razumov's brain, since he was able to write his relation with such fullness and precision a good many months afterwards the record of the thoughts which assailed him in the street is even more minute and abundant they seem to have rushed upon him with a greater freedom because his thinking powers were no longer crushed by haldin's presence the appalling presence of a great crime and the stunning force of a great fanaticism on looking through the pages of mr razumov's diary i own that a rush of thoughts is not an adequate image the more adequate description would be a tumult of thoughts the faithful reflection of the state of his feelings the thoughts in themselves were not numerous they were like the thoughts of most human beings few and simple but they cannot be reproduced here in all their exclamatory repetitions which went on in an endless and weary turmoil for the walk was long if to the western reader they appear shocking inappropriate or even improper it must be remembered that as to the first this may be the effect of my crude statement for the rest i will only remark here that this is not a story of the west of europe nations it may be have fashioned their governments but the governments have paid them back in the same coin it is unthinkable that any young englishman should find himself in razumov's situation this being so it would be a vain enterprise to imagine what he would think the only safe surmise to make is that he would not think as mr razumov thought at this crisis of his fate he would not have an hereditary and personal knowledge or the means by which historical autocracy represses ideas guards its power and defends its existence by an act of mental extravagance he might imagine himself arbitrarily thrown into prison but it would never occur to him unless he were delirious and perhaps not even then that he could be beaten with whips as a practical measure either of investigation or of punishment this is but a crude and obvious example of the different conditions of western thought i don't know that this danger occurred specially to mr razumov no doubt it entered unconsciously into the general dread and the general appallingness of this crisis razumov as has been seen was aware of more subtle ways in which an individual may be undone by the proceedings of a despotic government a simple expulsion from the university the very least that could happen to him with an impossibility to continue his studies anywhere was enough to ruin utterly a young man depending entirely upon the development of his natural abilities for his place in the world he was a russian and for him to be implicated meant simply sinking into the lowest social depths amongst the hopeless and the destitute the night birds of the city the peculiar circumstances of razumov's parentage or rather of his lack of parentage should be taken into the account of his thoughts and he remembered them too he had been lately reminded of them in a peculiarly atrocious way by this fatal halden because i haven't that must everything else be taken away from me he thought he nerved himself for another effort to go on along the roadway sledges glided phantom-like and jingling through a fluttering whiteness on the black face of the night for it is a crime he was saying to himself a murder is a murder though of course some sort of liberal institutions a feeling of horrible sickness came over him i must be courageous he exhorted himself mentally all his strength was suddenly gone as if taken out by a hand then by a mighty effort of will it came back because he was afraid of fainting in the street 
and being picked up by the police with the key of his lodgings in his pocket they would find haldin there and then indeed he would be undone strangely enough it was this fear which seems to have kept him up to the end the passers-by were rare they came upon him suddenly looming up black in the snowflakes close by then vanishing all at once without footfalls it was the quarter of the very poor razumov noticed an elderly woman tied up in ragged shawls under the street lamp she seemed a beggar off duty she walked leisurely in the blizzard as though she had no home to hurry to she hugged under one arm a round loaf of black bread with an air of guarding a priceless booty and razumov averting his glance envied her the peace of her mind and the serenity of her fate to one reading mr razumov's narrative it is really a wonder how he managed to keep going as he did along one interminable street after another on pavements that were gradually becoming blocked with snow it was the thought of haldin locked up in his rooms and the desperate desire to get rid of his presence which drove him forward no rational determination had any part in his exertions thus when on arriving at the low eating-house he heard that the man of horses zimianitch was not there he could only stare stupidly the waiter a wild-haired youth in tarred boots and a pink shirt exclaimed uncovering his pale gums in a silly grin that zimianitch had got his skinful early in the afternoon and had gone away with a bottle under each arm to keep it up amongst the horses he supposed the owner of the vile den a bony short man in a dirty cloth caftan coming down to his heels stood by his hands tucked into his belt and nodded confirmation the reek of spirits the greasy rancid steam of food got razumov by the throat he struck a table with his clenched hand and shouted violently you lie bleary unwashed faces were turned to his direction a mild-eyed ragged tramp drinking tea at the next table moved farther away a murmur of wonder arose with an undertone of uneasiness a laugh was heard too and an exclamation there there jeeringly soothing the waiter looked all round and announced to the room the gentleman won't believe that zimianitch is drunk from a distant corner a hoarse voice belonging to a horrible nondescript shaggy being with a black face like the muzzle of a bear grunted angrily the cursed driver of thieves what do we want with his gentleman here we are all honest folk in this place razumov biting his lip till blood came to keep himself from bursting into imprecations followed the owner of the den who whispering come along little father led him into a tiny hole of a place behind the wooden counter whence proceeded a sound of splashing a wet and bedraggled creature a sort of sexless and shivering scarecrow washed glasses in there bending over a wooden tub by the light of a tallow dip yes little father the man in the long caftan said plaintively he had a brown cunning little face a thin greyish beard trying to light a tin lantern he hugged it to his breast and talked garrulously the while he would show zimianitch to the gentleman to prove there were no lies told and he would show him drunk his woman it seems ran away from him last night such a hag she was thin Phew! he spat they were always running away from that driver of the devil and he sixty years old too could never get used to it but each heart knows sorrow after its own kind and zimianitch was a born fool all his days and then he would fly to the bottle who could bear life in our land without the bottle he says a proper russian man the little pig be pleased to follow me razumov crossed a quadrangle of deep snow enclosed between high walls with innumerable windows 
here and there a dim yellow light hung within the four-square mass of darkness the house was an enormous slum a hive of human vermin a monumental abode of misery towering on the verge of starvation and despair in a corner the ground sloped sharply down and razumov followed the light of the lantern through a small doorway into a long cavernous place like a neglected subterranean byre deep within three shaggy little horses tied up to rings hung their heads together motionless and shadowy in the dim light of the lantern it must have been the famous team of haldin's escape razumov peered fearfully into the gloom his guide pawed in the straw with his foot here he is ah the little pigeon a true russian man no heavy hearts for me he says bring out the bottle and take your ugly mug out of my sight ha 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 that's a fellow he is he held the lantern over a prone form of a man apparently fully dressed for outdoors his head was lost in a pointed cloth hood on the other side of a heap of straw protruded a pair of feet in monstrous thick boots always ready to drive commented the keeper of the eating-house a proper russian driver that saint or devil night or day is all one to zemianitch when his heart is free from sorrow i don't ask who you are but where you want to go he says he would drive satan himself to his own abode and come back chirruping to his horses many a one he has driven who is clanking his chains in the nerchink's mines by this time razumov shuddered call him wake him up he faltered out the other set down his light stepped back and launched a kick at the prostrate sleeper the man shook at the impact but did not move at the third kick he grunted but remained inert as before the eating-house keeper desisted and fetched a deep sigh you see for yourself how it is we have done what we can for you he picked up the lantern the intense black spokes of shadows swung about in the circle of light a terrible fury the blind rage of self-preservation possessed razumov ah the vile beast he bellowed out in an unearthly tone which made the lantern jump and tremble i shall wake you give me give me he looked round wildly seized the handle of a stable fork and rushing forward struck at the prostrate body with inarticulate cries after a time his cries ceased and the rain of blows fell in the stillness and shadows of the cellar-like stable razumov belaboured zemianitch with an insatiable fury in great volleys of sounding thwacks except for the violent movements of razumov nothing stirred neither the beaten man nor the spoke-like shadows on the walls and only the sound of blows was heard it was a weird scene suddenly there was a sharp crack the stick broke and half of it flew far away into the gloom beyond the light at the same time zemianitch sat up at this razumov became as motionless as the man with the lantern only his breast heaved for air as if ready to burst some dull sensation of pain must have penetrated at last the consoling night of drunkenness enwrapping the bright russian soul of haldin's enthusiastic praise but zemianitch evidently saw nothing his eyeballs blinked all white in the light once twice then the gleam went out for a moment he sat in the straw with closed eyes with a strange air of weary meditation then fell over slowly on his side without making the slightest sound only the straw rustled a little razumov stared wildly fighting for his breath after a second or two he heard a light snore he flung from him the piece of stick remaining in his grasp and went off with great hasty strides without looking back once after going heedlessly for some fifty yards along the street he walked into a snowdrift and was up to his knees before he stopped 
this recalled him to himself and glancing about he discovered he had been going in the wrong direction he retraced his steps but now at a more moderate pace when passing before the house he had just left he flourished his fist at the sombre refuge of misery and crime rearing its sinister bulk on the white ground it had an air of brooding he let his arm fall by his side discouraged zemianitch's passionate surrender to sorrow and consolation had baffled him that was the people a true russian man razumov was glad he had beaten that brute the bright soul of the other here they were the people and the enthusiasts between the two he was done for between the drunkenness of the peasant incapable of action and the dream intoxication of the idealist incapable of perceiving the reason of things and the true character of men it was a sort of terrible childishness the children had their masters ah the stick the stick the stern hand thought razumov longing for power to hurt and destroy he was glad he had thrashed that brute the physical exertion had left his body in a comfortable glow his mental agitation too was clarified as if all the feverishness had gone out of him in a fit of outward violence together with the persisting sense of terrible danger he was conscious now of a tranquil unquenchable hate he walked slower and slower and indeed considering the guest he had in his rooms it was no wonder he lingered on the way it was like harbouring a pestilential disease that would not perhaps take your life but would take from you all that made life worth living a subtle pest that would convert earth into a hell what was he doing now lying on the bed as if dead with the back of his hands over his eyes razumov had a morbidly vivid vision of holden on his bed the white pillow hollowed by the head the legs and long boots the upturned feet and in his abhorrence he said to himself i'll kill him when i get home but he knew very well that that was of no use the corpse hanging round his neck would be nearly as fatal as the living man nothing short of complete annihilation would do and that was impossible what then must one kill oneself to escape this visitation razumov's despair was too profoundly tinged with hate to accept that issue and yet it was despair nothing less at the thought of having to live with holden for an indefinite number of days in mortal alarm at every sound but perhaps when he heard that this bright soul of zemianitch suffered from a drunken eclipse the fellow would take his infernal resignation somewhere else and that was not likely on the face of it razumov thought i am being crushed and i can't even run away other men had somewhere a corner of the earth some little house in the provinces where they had a right to take their troubles a material refuge he had nothing he had not even a moral refuge the refuge of confidence to whom could he go with this tale in all this great great land razumov stamped his foot and under the soft carpet of snow felt the hard ground of russia inanimate cold inert like a sullen and tragic mother hiding her face under a winding sheet his native soil his very own without a fireside without a heart he cast his eyes upwards and stood amazed the snow had ceased to fall and now as if by a miracle he saw above his head the clear black sky of the northern winter decorated with the sumptuous fires of the stars it was a canopy fit for the resplendent purity of the snows razumov received an almost physical impression of endless space and of countless millions he responded to it with the readiness of a russian who was born to an inheritance of space and numbers under the sumptuous immensity of the sky the snow covered the endless forests the frozen rivers the plains of an immense country 
obliterating the landmarks the accidents of the ground levelling everything under its uniform whiteness like a monstrous blank page awaiting the record of an inconceivable history it covered the passive land with its lives of countless people like zemianitch and its handful of agitators like this halden murdering foolishly it was a sort of sacred inertia razumov felt a respect for it a voice seemed to cry within him don't touch it it was a guarantee of duration of safety while the travail of maturing destiny went on a work not of revolutions with their passionate levity of action and their shifting impulses but of peace what it needed was not the conflicting aspirations of a people but a will strong and one it wanted not the babble of many voices but a man strong and one razumov stood on the point of conversion he was fascinated by its approach by its overpowering logic for a train of thought is never false the falsehood lies deep in the necessities of existence in secret fears and half-formed ambitions in the secret confidence combined with the secret mistrust of ourselves in the love of hope and the dread of uncertain days in russia the land of spectral ideas and disembodied aspirations many brave minds have turned away at last from the vain and endless conflict to the one great historical fact of the land they turn to autocracy for the peace of their patriotic conscience as a weary unbeliever touched by grace turns to the faith of his fathers for the blessing of spiritual rest like other russians before him razumov in conflict with himself felt the touch of grace upon his forehead holden means disruption he thought to himself beginning to walk again what is he with his indignation with his talk of bondage with his talk of god's justice all that means disruption better that thousands should suffer than that a people should become a disintegrated mass helpless like dust in the wind obscurantism is better than the light of incendiary torches the seed germinates in the night out of the dark soil springs the perfect plant but a volcanic eruption is sterile the ruin of the fertile ground and am i who love my country who have nothing but that to love and put my faith in am i to have my future perhaps my usefulness ruined by the sanguinary fanatic the grace entered into razumov he believed now in the man who would come at the appointed time what is a throne a few pieces of wood upholstered in velvet but a throne is a seat of power too the form of government is the shape of a tool an instrument but twenty thousand bladders inflated by the noblest sentiments and jostling against each other in the air are a miserable encumbrance of space holding no power possessing no will having nothing to give he went on thus heedless of the way holding a discourse with himself with extraordinary abundance and facility generally his phrases came to him slowly after a conscious and painstaking wooing some superior power had inspired him with a flow of masterly argument as certain converted sinners became overwhelmingly loquacious he felt an austere exultation what are the luridly smoky lucubrations of that fellow to the clear grasp of my intellect he thought is not this my country have i not got forty million brothers he asked himself unanswerably victorious in the silence of his breast and the fearful thrashing he had given the inanimate zemianitch seemed to him a sign of intimate union a pathetically severe necessity of brotherly love no if i must suffer let me at least suffer for my convictions not for a crime my reason my cool superior reason rejects he ceased to think for a moment the silence in his breast was complete 
but he felt a suspicious uneasiness such as we may experience when we enter an unlighted strange place the irrational feeling that something may jump upon us in the dark the absurd dread of the unseen of course he was far from being a moss-grown reactionary everything was not for the best despotic bureaucracy abuses corruption and so on capable men were wanted enlightened intelligences devoted hearts but absolute power should be preserved the tool ready for the man for the great autocrat of the future razumov believed in him the logic of history made him unavoidable the state of the people demanded him what else he asked himself ardently could move all that mass in one direction nothing could nothing but a single will he was persuaded that he was sacrificing his personal longings of liberalism rejecting the attractive error for the stern russian truth that's patriotism he observed mentally and added there's no stopping midway on that road and then remarked to himself i am not a coward and again there was a dead silence in razumov's breast he walked with lowered head making room for no one he walked slowly and his thoughts returning spoke within him with solemn slowness what is this holden and what am i only two grains of sand but a great mountain is made up of just such insignificant grains and the death of a man or of many men is an insignificant thing yet we combat a contagious pestilence do i want his death no i would save him if i could but no one can do that he is the withered member which must be cut off if i must perish through him let me at least not perish with him and associated against my will with his sombre folly that understands nothing either of men or things why should i leave a false memory it passed through his mind that there was no one in the world who cared what sort of memory he left behind him he exclaimed to himself instantly perish vainly for a falsehood what a miserable fate he was now in a more animated part of the town he did not remark the crash of two colliding sledges close to the curb the driver of one bellowed tearfully at his fellow oh thou vile wretch this hoarse yell let out nearly in his ear disturbed razumov he shook his head impatiently and went on looking straight before him suddenly on the snow stretched on his back right across his path he saw haldin solid distinct real with his inverted hands over his eyes clad in a brown close-fitting coat and long boots he was lying out of the way a little as though he had selected that place on purpose the snow round him was untrodden this hallucination had such a solidity of aspect that the first movement of razumov was to reach for his pocket to assure himself that the key of his rooms was there but he checked the impulse with a disdainful curve of his lips he understood his thought concentrated intensely on the figure left lying on his bed had culminated in this extraordinary illusion of the sight razumov tackled the phenomenon calmly with a stern face without a check and gazing far beyond the vision he walked on experiencing nothing but a slight tightening of the chest after passing he turned his head for a glance and saw only the unbroken track of his footsteps over the place where the breast of the phantom had been lying razumov walked on and after a little time whispered his wonder to himself exactly as if alive seemed to breathe and right in my way too i have had an extraordinary experience he made a few steps and muttered through his set teeth i shall give him up then for some twenty yards or more all was blank he wrapped his cloak closer round him he pulled his cap well forward over his eyes betray a great word what is betrayal they talk of a man betraying his country his friends his sweetheart 
there must be a moral bond first all a man can betray is his conscience and how is my conscience engaged here by what bond of common faith of common conviction am i obliged to let that fanatical idiot drag me down with him on the contrary every obligation of true courage is the other way razumov looked round from under his cap what can the prejudice of the world reproach me with have i provoked his confidence no have i by a single word look or gesture given him reason to suppose that i accepted his trust in me no it is true that i consented to go and see his zemianitch well i have been to see him and i broke a stick on his back too the brute something seemed to turn over in his head bringing uppermost a singularly hard clear facet of his brain it would be better however he reflected with a quite different mental accent to keep that circumstance altogether to myself he had passed beyond the turn leading to his lodgings and had reached a wide and fashionable street some shops were still open and all the restaurants lights fell on the pavement where men in expensive fur coats with here and there the elegant figure of a woman walked with an air of leisure razumov looked at them with the contempt of an austere believer for the frivolous crowd it was the world those officers dignitaries men of fashion officials members of the yacht club the event of the morning affected them all what would they say if they knew what this student in a cloak was going to do not one of them is capable of feeling and thinking as deeply as i can how many of them could accomplish an act of conscience razumov lingered in the well-lighted street he was firmly decided indeed it could hardly be called a decision he had simply discovered what he had meant to do all along and yet he felt the need of some other mind's sanction end of chapter two section one recording by expatriate in bangor maine